0: you want to hear the story about how I first became aware of Ken Griffey Jr.
1: Oh my gosh, I'd love to, man. I'd love to. So
0: 1989 is is Ken's rookie year at Major League level. I am 15 years old, and I'm in Kansas City, and I am obsessed with baseball cards. I will ride my bike down the street to the baseball card shop, which was called the Press Box. It, It really did become sort of an unhealthy obsession. I would like collect all of these cards and it went from being something that i really enjoyed to like i was going to become this investor i'd take the money
1: entrepreneur i (laughs) I love it
0: (laughs) i would take the money i made uh mowing lawns and (laughs) and buy baseball cards and i i remember the very first time i saw the ken griffey jr upper deck card in 1989 and was just sort of like who's you know is that Ken's son was told yes, and by the way, he was the number one overall pick, and by the way, he's going to be the next big thing in the sport of baseball, and he was card number one in the Upper Deck Series. And for whatever reason, there were so many different types of baseball cards then. That card stood out, even at the time, and over the years, it would even more, it seems like. It became this iconic example of the baseball card industry. And all of my friends, we wanted to not just have one of those cards. We, we had a bunch of them. And wow. the sort of obsession, even as Ken got off to that rookie season start that he did with the Mariners, this was sort of a larger-than-life Figure from from the start, but then you also remember how much pressure's on somebody when they're a larger than life figure at that young an age.
1: Indeed, indeed. Wow, man. And so I, I understand that you cover soccer and everything like that. Have you followed like baseball since then? Yeah,
0: you know, I, I don't follow it as closely now as I used to. You know, I watch the playoffs and, and I enjoy that. Um, as a Kansas city person, I was, you know, fired up following the Royals when they were in the world series in, in 2014, 2015 and won it in 2015. It's, I live in New York now and maybe once or twice a year, I'll get to a game in Yankee stadium or go out and see the Mets or, you know, when my team comes to town, um, I don't love the sport like I did when I was a kid. Maybe that's because I put so much of my time into soccer now, and there's so much around the world that takes up so much of kind of just my time. Sure. I kind of want to love baseball again, if that makes sense, in a way that I did when I was a kid. And I don't quite as much as I used to. Hey there, it's Grant Wall, the host of season one of American Prodigy on Freddie Adu and his story. And I'm excited to hand things off for season two of American Prodigy to a couple of guys who are doing a fascinating series on Ken Griffey Jr. I'm here with the co-hosts and that's Cola Malik and Alex Ward and I guess guys like fill me in a little bit on on what you've been trying to do putting together this series.
1: First of all you ran that thing pretty hard man and I'm pretty excited to uh, pick up <laughs> The second leg, as you hand off the baton, man, I've got to hold on to it tight and not fumble because, wow, what a great um, series, uh, podcast series on Freddie Adu, man. I just, kudos, brother. Well done, well done. And I just felt the intimacy from that. It was really dope. And um, as Alex and I have begun diving into this thing with Ken, as, as Ken and I were great friends from, you know, the beginning of his heyday all the way through his baseball career into this day, and so, You get to hear a little bit more about what made them tick in the background, and then it connects some of the dots that you may have wondered about over the years.
2: I don't know, man. It's just a really cool honor. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I think the challenge for this season, they're very different figures, uh, Freddie and and Ken Griffey. Like, one was supposed to become a household name. The other became a household name. But I think what we're learning as we we do this is this sort of – celebrity label or prodigy as we talk about. Like when it's attached to you, it just keeps sliding in scale no matter where you're at. So even someone like Ken who became as big as he was, it was like, well, people go, well, he never won a World Series. Or he never won. Or he he got compared to Michael Jordan a lot, right? And then Michael Jordan gets six rings. Ken didn't win a World Series. And people take that and go, well, there it is. And once we talked to Cola, we realized, oh, talking to someone who's been a lifelong friend to Ken. Not a form not a teammate, not a coach, not even someone involved in the same industry as Ken has just given us this whole new side to tell this story. And so this this season's definitely gonna sound a little different, but we're really excited for how it's shaping up.
0: Yeah, I, I'm really excited to listen to the whole thing and you know, I'm not a Ken Griffey expert, but I am a baseball fan from an early age and he looms so large to a lot of us who followed the sport, who, mm-hmm. like me, collected baseball cards back in the late 80s as, you know, a, a teenager. Um, and, and from the start, we were very aware of this prodigious talent and started following Ken. And, you know, there's, there's some similarities with Freddie Adu. There's some differences. Obviously, you could say Ken Griffey made it. He became a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, Freddie didn't make it in the sense of of reaching the expectations that we had for them. But uh, I do feel like both of these guys, very rare among any athletes, were expected to sort of prop up their entire sport mm-hmm. in a way that uh very few athletes are, you know. Freddie Adu was being hailed by the, the founder of Nike as a guy who could do more for his sport than Michael Jordan, LeBron James. And Tiger Woods for their sports. And when you put that on a 14-year-old kid, that's a lot. And, and, a ton. and people sort of put it on Ken Griffey to save baseball from the 94 strike or to save right. baseball from the steroid era. And that's a lot to ask, but it also puts a real burden on someone as a human being.
2: It's funny the role Nike plays in both these stories because there's a building on Nike's campus, the Ken Griffey Jr. building, you know, Other names of buildings there, it's Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Jerry Rice, uh, Mia Hamm, uh, really big names. And there's Ken Griffey Jr. And he's also someone you can tell a story through sort of the artifacts in the 90s. His video game, his shoes, the ads he did. We can kind of look back at these things and say, this was really unique for a baseball player. And so part of the show is Cole and I examining some of those things and looking at, A., what happened to Ken's legacy, but B, what kind of happened to baseball's legacy over the last 30 years, over the course of Ken's career. That's almost a whole nother podcast we could do, but finding the intersections between Ken and the sport he played, the history of the sport he played in this country, and then also looking not at who he was as a player, because let's be real, there's no shortage of material about Ken Griffey's baseball career. There's obviously a whole documentary on the MLB network. Go on YouTube. There's tons of stories about that. What got me excited when talking with Cola is like when you don't look at that stuff, when you look at who he was as a person, it shifts his legacy completely shifts. And you start to realize, I think we've been asking the wrong questions about who Ken Griffey Jr. was this whole time. You know, like you say, Alex, a lot of times society right and grant you said the same thing that society puts
1: these expectations on these guys and wants to define what success Mm -hmm. is like right it's very easy for us to say freddy Adu didn't succeed or ken did succeed and but some people think that ken didn't succeed because he didn't win a world series and some people say that freddy Adu didn't save soccer so he Mm -hmm. didn't so it's like everybody wants to put the definition of what success is right and but yet grant was able to expose a human side of freddy that Says that, hey, you know something? Maybe society might not define his success because their expectations were this when it came to the sport. But yet, if he succeeded in his own right by using his talent, his gift and his ability to the best of his potential, then Perhaps we mm-hmm. may be asking the wrong questions, like you said, uh you know, Alex, and looking at the wrong things, perhaps Ken did not win a ring, and perhaps he did not do the things that everyone should have expected that he did I mean yeah you, you obviously don't call a Hall of famer a a failure, but they both had success on different no. levels in their sports, and the bottom line is is that. We might be looking at the wrong things when we're defining success, because, as far as I know, there was neither one of them were caught into any situations that you know neither one of them ended up locked up or you know dead young, or you know all these things that happened to really tremendous, amazing people mm-hmm. in our society, right These guys you know are living their lives and telling their truths, and I think sometimes that we might be asking the wrong questions, like you say, Alex and success is defined in many ways
0: another thing that I think there's at least some commonality with the Freddie Adu and Ken Griffey Jr. stories is that the sports they're in, soccer in America and baseball in America, have, in the case of soccer, it's always been a white sport in America. It's always been, uh, and still is to a large extent, sort of an upper middle class sport in the United States, almost even a country club sport because of pay to play. And Indeed. it shut out a lot of potential great players uh, from the African-American community in particular uh, in the United States. And Freddie, as we talked about in season one, you know, represented uh, a black American and, and got parts of the country caring about soccer, paying attention in a way that hadn't really happened much before. And I've gotten the sense, too, that baseball, you know, I'm not a baseball expert, but I'm a fan, that baseball, there have been a lot of real concerns about, you know, what happened and you know, why aren't there as many black ball players right. as there used to be? And, right. and I, I have a sense that that might be a part of your story with Ken Griffey as well
1: absolutely and i think that that's what ken's role is now even with mlb is to put a african american face to baseball and to attract more of that talent, because I think we all realize, man, that there's a rich talent pool in really every race. If you just give them the opportunity and you give them the exposure and you give them the chance to feel like they belong and that they connect. And I think that that was what was really missing from baseball from a lot of years, you know, as the Negro League trends, you know, kind of, you know, coagulated with the with the regular, you know, MLB, it was like, there was, there was not that acceptance, right? I mean, the, you know, the Negro League was successful, was very successful in its own right due to the fact that it marketed to the people it connected to. I mean, it was just, but, I think that there was a shift when, you know, that when when the Negro League phased out and, and black players came into the MLB because, I mean, you think about it, uh, Henry Aaron, you know, he had to sit alone on, on, the, uh, on the bench while he was getting close to breaking the home run record because he didn't want one of his teammates to end up catching a bullet that was meant for him. And wrap your mind around that, you know? And so I think that that's where the disconnect began to happen with the African-American community because... My parents, my mother would tell me about when everyone would dress up and go to those ball games and we'd be in our little dresses and on Sundays we'd go out to see, you know, the 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 ball games and everybody loved ball but she said, "Oh no, it wasn't a, just a white sport. We we loved baseball in the black community." So, I think that Ken Griffey Jr. In the '90s, was a face. He's the reason why the McCutcheons and things like that, I think, play baseball. I think that he's the reason why a lot of these guys followed up and decided to give baseball a shot was because they see guys like he and and Frank Thomas and you know these guys that were big time, right? And 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 but had but looked like them and that they could connect to. And Ken even went a little bit further and had a little bit of a swagger and a little bit of flair that didn't make him feel so stuffy. And so so it it, it just really is a situation where I believe that as these sports connect more to the black community, I think soccer is beginning to connect to the black community much, much more. I think that you're seeing an influx of talent because it's beginning to become a multicultural sport and connect in those same ways.
0: Yeah. When when you watch the U S men's and women's national soccer teams these days, there are a lot more black players than there were even five years ago. And so you feel like, we're starting to finally make the sport of soccer more accessible to everyone around this this country and and that's a big thing
1: i didn't know baseball really at all i mean we had a team of uh, the Mariners in Seattle whoop-de-doo it didn't matter to me I never played baseball growing up I didn't know anything about it in the community that I live in we just didn't have access to it right it, it's very difficult to get together 22 people to play a pickup game you know and I just don't think we had the interest in the sport when we were younger it just kind of and like you were, had alluded to man it was thought of as a white sport nah, man we don't we ain't playing baseball man we we'll play some pickup basketball we wanted to be like Dr. J and we you know we didn't have that kind of quote unquote kindergarten griffey jr that that role model we could look up to and be like man you know he's doing it and we could do it just kind of like him that kind of felt like us it just felt very distant nobody took me to a baseball game when i was younger right so i didn't have that chance to fall in love with it when i was a kid and to kind of you know have my pops take me to the ball game and buy me some peanuts and popcorn and hang out Mm -hmm. and him explain to me how to keep my box score and you know i just didn't have that kind of experience so that's why I didn't connect to baseball as a kid but then once Ken came and I, you know, and I got to know him it was just like wow I got this up close intimate view from behind and the scenes and watching the games from afar and seeing it from a fan perspective and I really fell in love with what was a, a, a beautiful game and then I, I sort of fell out of love with baseball once the steroid era uh, kind of mm-hmm. happened I'm going to be honest with you so I, I'm where you are man I'm trying to fall back in love with the sport I need my Mariners to become a little more relevant <laughs> and I need <laughs> (laughs) You know, um, I I just need to get over the sting of what kind of happened during that steroid era.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I I was a writer at Sports Illustrated for 24 years, and I can remember all our big Griffey stories when I was starting out at the magazine. Obviously, I've been reading the magazine for decades. But one thing that I would like to see done, our biggest award at Sports Illustrated at the end of every year was the Sportsperson of the Year Award, And there are a few winners of that award, including Lance Armstrong (laughs) is one Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa are a couple of others who I would like to see sports illustrated go back and, and strip them of their sports person of the year awards. I, I think they're tainted, um, I think it would send a message, and I would like to see those Sports Person of the Year awards given instead to people who achieved great things, but didn't win the, the award those years because they were beaten out by these cheaters. Amen. And, and so, I would love to see Ken Griffey Jr. be one of the people to win one of those sports person of the year awards, because I, I think it would be sort of a historic acknowledgement that would represent what so many of us feel now, which is that Ken Griffey Jr. was the greatest clean home run hitter of his era, Yeah. because I don't think that gets enough credit and, and sort of a lot of us as baseball fans kind of like we would have been even crushed more, like be way beyond like what happened with the steroid area, which was terrible. But if, if Ken had actually come out to be like one of those guys, I think baseball would have lost me. And so here we are again, talking about Ken sort of being responsible for the sport of baseball, but what he did clean is, Is something that I think we should remark upon maybe even more than we do.
1: No doubt. And I think that's what gets a lot of people is when you talk integrity, you can't say, oh, man, we're just going to wipe away all the stuff that happened before. But we're going to have integrity right now. And you guys are going to believe us. Right. The bottom line is, is I think you make a great point, Grant, and that is, is that we have to have that childlike kind of faith in a, in a, in a sport. If you want to see that sport really, really flourish.
0: Yeah. I think too, also, and you hit upon something a second ago, just about why do we love sports? And for so many of us, I think it is sort of associating this, this kind of childlike love that we get for, for whatever, whatever sport. And this feeling that it gives us, and i think ken griffey junior represented that as much or more than certainly any baseball player i could think of and maybe any athlete i could think of and it wasn't contrived but like i will always think of him with his his baseball cap turned backward and like a lot of people do that but i don't think of a particular there's one person i think of when right. I think, uh, when someone asked me, oh, you know, baseball cap turned backward, yeah, Ken Griffey to the point where if you, there's a, a Sports Illustrated cover that is an um, it's a drawing, it's not even a photograph, uh, but it's got Ken Griffey Jr. in a backward baseball cap because that became his brand without seeming to be calculated in any way right. because it represented, he represented this sort of. Childlike uh, purity, you know, innocence, love of the game. Indeed, from the moment he started playing, and I, I can't even think across sports of anyone who represented it quite like that.
1: I think it gets right back to what you said: of he's guys like that, right? Nolan Ryan were the reason we fell in love with baseball because it was like dudes who just like, yo, man, I got my wife, my pickup truck and I can throw the ball a hundred miles an hour. Get at me, you know? And that's what I loved about, you know, a lot of those guys during that era is that they just simply played the game. They played it well, played it right. And played it with a passion and with kind of, like you said, a purity almost that allowed kids to just kind of go, wow, these guys are really cool. You know?
0: You know, I remember, we did this first season of American Prodigy on Freddie Adu. And I had no idea for quite a while that, that Blue Wire was going to make it sort of a franchise American Prodigy with future seasons. And so when I first heard about that, I was like, Oh, this is, this is kind of interesting. This could be really cool. I'm curious to see what the next story is in season two. And when I heard it was Ken Griffey jr and then heard you were gonna be involved with it. Um, I I just got really excited because I think there's a great story here, just a a really fascinating topic. And I can't tell you how glad I am that that you're gonna be the one telling this story. So congratulations, Cole, I'm really, really happy for you.
1: Thank you, man. Yeah, oh gosh, I mean, I'm excited about this because I feel like it's my opportunity to kind of honor a guy who means a lot to me as a friend, who meant a lot to me as far as, again, falling back in love with baseball or even falling in love with it for the first time. Um, A guy who, you know, I think deserves, I don't know, exposure to see a little bit of behind what's kind of a little bit more behind the curtain and. I mean, we look at these guys and they're supposed to be, you know, these, these perfect role models and, you know, and all this kind of thing. But it's like, let's look at the fact that there's a human being behind every athlete, right? I mean, they're not robots and they, you know, they, they, we seem like we propped them up to say they need to be this and they need to be that and they need to fit this role, but. When you, you know, kind of, quote, unquote, walk a mile in someone else's shoes, you sometimes can understand from a from a different perspective. And kind of like you did with Freddie, I hope to do with Ken. And that is is just to expose the public, man, to something that maybe they just haven't seen before, or haven't heard before or haven't considered before that brings that athlete to a human level with them and lets them go. Yo, man, that's that's some pretty
0: cool and interesting stuff behind the scenes, man. That's that's really cool good stuff really uh giving you a fist bump from new york all the way through virtual connection here no doubt my man this
1: is great man i and wow you really ran this race pretty hard man you handled your business on the first leg so i'm hoping when you pass me the baton man i can't fumble it man i gotta try to run like you did brother so kudos to you man what a great job on the podcast man and way to get us off to a great start with this and i'm excited to run the second leg
0: awesome thanks